Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Sometimes you just... Seems like you make stupid choices. Maybe you don't, but I know that I have in the past because, you know, I, I graduated from high school and I, I tried to see what it would be like to attend a big university. I went to Texas Tech University in Lubbock. I uh, didn't like it there, so, uh, you know, I went from the Rocker B Ranch where I lived, you know, with my dad and everything, and then went to Texas Tech for a couple of semesters. Went to the San Pedro Ranch, and after a long time at the San Pedro Ranch, I went back to the Rocker B Ranch and everything, and I was working on the Rocker B. And you know what? It, it, having one of those ranch jobs is just one of the coolest things that you can ever have. Um, it, it, it's not easy work. I mean, no, no, no amount of ranch work is ever easy. I mean, um, every time I, we've got a couple of ranchers in here and a lot of cowboys and stuff like that. I, I know a couple of weeks ago I went to, uh, shake Dale Oker's hand and he's like, easy, easy. <laughs> and you don't even have to ask them cowboys what's wrong. You know, it's been some sort of wreck. They got mucked out by a cow or, or a horse wreck or something, which by the way, uh, keep your prayers with Chase Atkinson, uh, he got bucked off and broke his arm yesterday in Los Animas, and I think he's okay, but I send him a big thumbs up. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Chase! And so, but you know, ranch work is not easy, but you know what, there are some really cool things about working on a ranch. I mean, we live in this nice house, and um, our, 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 all of our groceries were provided. I mean, it was just amazing. Every week, we went to what we called the commissary, and it was at headquarters, and they had fruit, they had, they had lucky charms. Can it get any better than that? No! I picked out the little oat stuff and just ate marshmallows. Fruity, nice, star-shaped marshmallows. It was awesome. I mean, you know, so there was milk. I mean, it was just an amazing type thing. They provided our truck for us. They provided our horses. We had to shoe our own. That kind of stunk. But anyway, um, but you know, everything was provided. Now, we didn't make a lot of money, but everything was provided. And you know what? As much as I loved that, there was something in me that started saying, you know what? Is this really all you want for your life? Is to be provided for and everything? Man, what? Out going out and, and having some fun because I mean when you work six seven days a week all the time and everything like that and I was you know single young man at the time and so man I started getting that little itch about right here that you just kind of can't scratch and I think most of us that are adults have felt that at some point in their life and so finally I was like you know what I'm fed up with this ranching stuff I'm done I've rode the Bronx I've gathered the cattle I've flanked the big calves I've busted the brush you know I've been bucked off. I've done all of it. I'm done. I'm through with cowboying. Now, I'm going to run off to San Angelo, Texas, and I'm going to have me some fun, boys and girls. Well, let me tell you about that fun. I went from having, I mean, we had to give away steaks because, I mean, now granted, it was not good steaks. Every time an old cow would break her leg or something, they'd go butcher it and we'd get all that beef and stuff like that. But, you know, I went from having everything to provided for me to having to buy my own apartment, pay my own rent. And you know what I did as a living? I went, you know, a lot of people glamorize the cowboy life, man. You get up at 4.30 in the morning, you saddle up your horse, you go gather, you go, I mean, even checking fence and the gathering and blah, 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 fixing windmills. It, it, it kind of sounds all glamorous. Well, let me tell you how I went from that glamorous to I worked at a convenience store at night with a red smock that had, Welcome to Texaco, my name is Kevin. 
and they wouldn't let me wear my hat. I have not combed my hair except during that brief moment in time in 23 years. I didn't even know I had hair. You want to know how, you know, I had these grand plans, man, I was going to go have fun. Well, while all the kids that had a lot of money and, and all that, all these college kids, they would come into the convenience store fixing to head to the dance club and everything like that, and I was working nights. That'll be seven ninety five, please. Boy, how glamorous is that? Now, I tried to go back to school. Now, granted, my, my job at the convenience store was part-time. I did, you know, I didn't do it every single day, but it was from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. And then what I did is, so, let's just say it's a, it's a, it's a Tuesday. I went to class from 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. every single day. I was taking a full load. I would get up in the morning. I would go to class at 8. I'd get out at 12. I would run home. I would shove something in my mouth, which was usually ramen noodles or something like that because I couldn't afford anything else. And, I, you know, ramen noodles with some bologna crumpled up inside. So it was, you know, big time, man. If you was, you know, done it, I know you have. And then I would run to the uh, San Angelo Feed Yard in Miles, Texas. And I would work until, you know, dark or maybe a little after. And then I would run home and eat another bag of ramen noodles with some bologna in them. And then at 11 o'clock, I would go into the convenience store and I would work till 7 o'clock the next morning. I owe those people an apology because there were some nights that I stole about nine gallons of Dr. Pepper trying to stay awake. I looked at it as fringe benefits. But I was working all the time. I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I had these big delusions of grandeur that it was going to be all of this fun. And I go back and I think, why in the world did I trade all that I had completely being taken care of and being loved and, and having everything provided and I just threw it all away because I thought that I wanted something else. And it was one of the hardest and roughest times of my entire life. I had a shotgun that I won uh, second place in the state sub-junior uh, 4-H, second place in the whole state of Texas sub-junior. I had to sell my shotgun to make a pickup payment because I had to buy a pickup because my pickup wasn't provided anymore. And I think, why did I go and trade all of that goodness, all of that, that abundance, all of that stuff that made me who I am, why would I just go and just throw it away? Well, I think we have all done that a little bit. And you know what? Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 1 on a spiritual level. Galatians chapter 1 Verse 6. Now, you're going to have to follow me a little bit right quick because we're going to do a deal of if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, which is, by the way, transitive property. Uh-huh. I wasn't good at much, but I was pretty, pretty swanky at math. If you got a science question, go ask Sonny Oker. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting. Isn't that what I did? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, deserting, that does not mean eating cake, okay? That means to run off, skip out, shag off. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ. Grace. Man, that is a powerful word that I don't think that we will ever fully comprehend, but my goal today is to explain to you what grace is and how I want you to be different. I made a statement last week. I said, Save the Cowboy is a different kind of church filled with a different kind of people. 
willing to make a difference. How can we do that? How are we going to be a different type of church? It has nothing to do with being a cowboy church. I don't care if you wear a hat or don't own a hat or you'd rather be like my son, which I'm perfectly fine with, would rather be in a pair of shorts and nine feet of snow. Blows my mind, but hey, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you wear. If we want to be a different kind of church, how are we going to do that? I'm going to explain that today. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. How many times do we do that? How many times do we turn to a different gospel? Paul says, which is no really, which is really no gospel at all. There is only one gospel, and he says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What does gospel mean? Gospel means good news. So what I said, if A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C. Let's read this again. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and turning you to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? It is the grace of Christ, and it is good news. If anybody tries to pervert the gospel of Christ and throw you into confusion by denouncing you and making you feel bad, of criticizing you, of pointing out your sin, that is all legalistic crap. And they are trying to confuse you. That is not the gospel. That is not the grace of Christ. Jesus said, For whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn it but to save it. He didn't come here to point out your sin. He came here to save you from it. Don't you let anybody tell you any different. And let me tell you, let's look at some of the things that is the good news. Now, I had this question asked of me either last week or two weeks ago. They said, is it okay if we say amen? Is it okay if we say, yeah? Is it okay if we clap? Guys, just because this is Cowboy Church or Save the Cowboy, if you hear some good news, by all means, you can say whatever you want to. You can clap. You can say amen. You can say whatever you want to, but don't say shut up because I ain't going to do it about the good news. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to condemn Scott Revis for saying yeehaw. I'm going to lead by example. I will, I will lay hands on him after the service, though. <laughs> Turn with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, we're going to go through this real quick. In John chapter 2 is the story of Jesus' first miracle. Now, a lot of you that's had any type of Bible stuff or anything like that, you understand that Jesus' first miracle is he turns water into wine. But let me set it up just so I can make a point that we need to know today is that they are at this wedding. This is in you know, Jesus' day. They couldn't run down to Walmart and get some more stuff, okay? They are at a wedding. Everybody is invited to the wedding. Jesus and all his disciples are there, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, the worst thing in the world is about to happen to this bridegroom, the groom. They're going to run out of wine. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And so Mary, who is Jesus' mama, comes in and tells him, hey, you need to do something about this. And he goes, what business of this is mine? <laughs> and she kind of ignores him and turns to the servants and says, do whatever he says. Isn't that just like your mama? As Eric looked at his, <laughs> she didn't care what he thought. She's like, you do something about this. I'm going to go over here. 
And so Jesus tells the servants, he says, take these six clay jars. Six clay jars held between 20 and 30 gallons of water apiece. They were ceremonial washing jars. Okay, in the old religion, whenever you came in, you had to wash your hands before you eat because we were always unclean and you were supposed to wash your hands before you did anything. So these six jars were used for the washing of hands to make people ceremonially clean so that they could eat and everything like that. Jesus says, you know what? Fill up these ceremonial jars, each held 20 to 30 gallons apiece, and he said, then dip it in and take it to the master of ceremonies he turned water into wine when the master of ceremonies kind of the guy that was in charge you know I'm sure he's okay we're gonna throw the garter now you know y'all come on up we're gonna cut the cake I don't know if they did that back then but he takes a drink and he's like oh my gosh this is the best wine I've ever had most of the time you put the good wine out first and then you give them the rotten vinegary stuff later on he said but you have saved the best for last isn't that Jesus right there saving the best for last But there's something else. Six times 30. 180. (laughs) 180 gallons of wine. You think that might have covered it? I'm pretty sure. Well, for most of you, it would have covered it. I know a few of you like. It wasn't boxed wine either. These were big old jars of wine. But the point is, is the abundance after everything was gone. That is grace. Did the bride, did the groom come up and say, hey, son of God, could you help us out right quick? No, the groom didn't even know they were running out of wine. But Jesus, in his abundance, in his grace, he was giving something to somebody that didn't deserve it. He was giving, can you imagine how good that wine probably was? It had to be. It was perfect wine because Jesus can't do anything else. It was perfect wine at the end of a ceremony and there was more than all of them could drink combined. But it's not just an abundance of wine. At the Last Supper, Jesus took a cup that had what in it? Did it have grape juice in it? No, it had wine. And he said, this is my blood that I will shed for you. And you know what? When he turned all that water into wine, it was symbolic of he was taking away all this ceremonial stuff where you had to wash your hands to cleanse yourself. His blood was going to cleanse you. And it's in abundance. He has cleansed you from everything that you could ever do in the past, present, or future. Thank you, Ken. That is God's grace in abundance. Giving you more than you could ever use, more than you could ever need. But there's a trick to it. You must run out before you get the abundance. Jesus didn't step in there and go, hey, y'all put that that junky stuff up. Here, let me do this for you. No, they had run out. They had already run out. They had reached the end. There was nothing left. And I'm telling you that if we're going to be a different kind of church, that's the kind of people that I want going to Save the Cowboy and watching online and listening on the radio is those type of people that are willing to forsake everything and run out so that they can get the abundance of God. It applies to His blood being forgiven. He said, any who tries to save their life must lose it. And any who... Any, wait, let me rephrase that. Any who are willing to lose their lives will save it. When you run out of yourself, He will come in. Some of you are trying so hard to hang on to the things that you think are going to sustain you. You are worried about hanging on to things that are going to fulfill you. Let it go. Reach the end so that God's abundance and His grace can take over. 
That's the kind of church. That's what's going to make us different. Can you imagine what it would be like in this community and the community of those of you that are watching online and listening if you would just give everything up? I'm not talking about selling everything you have. I'm just saying to let God's abundance come into your life and quit trying so hard because he's like, either you're going to do it or I'm going to do it. Take your pick. He wants to take care of you. It is his abundance. That is what grace means. It's God's abundant favor. I'm not talking about he's going to make you rich. I'm talking about he's going to do something magical in your heart. And when he does something magical in your heart, people are going to be able to see that. They're going to be able to know it. And they're going to say, what do you have that I don't? God's grace is abundant. And it is not just available for somebody over here. It's available for each and every one of you that are listening right now. It's available. If we're going to be a different kind of church with a different kind of people willing to make a difference, we've got to rely on grace to do it. And when you rely on grace, His abundance is going to blow you away. Don't let anybody confuse you. God loves you. Turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. In John chapter 9... You can read along if you want to. I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Jesus and his boys are walking down the road, and they come upon a guy sitting there, and he's blind. Been blind since birth. He don't say anything to them. He's just blind. Been that way since he was born. Just sitting there. And the disciples ask Jesus, they say, what did this man do, or what did his family do to make him blind? What sin caused this? And Jesus said, he has no sin. I mean, sin didn't cause this, not that he doesn't have sin. He said, sin didn't cause this. He was born blind so that the glory of God may be revealed. So what did Jesus do? One of the craziest things in the entire Bible. This is what Jesus did. He spits into the dirt. So all of y'all that get onto your boys for spitting, Jesus did it too. He spits into the dirt, makes a little mud pie out of it, and sticks it on this feller's eyes. And he says, then he says, now, this, this just, I, get, I think I get stuck on the wrong thing sometimes. Then he says, now, go to the uh, bath at Siloam, or S-I-L-O-A-M, I don't know how you pronounce it. Siloam, go over there and wash. The dude is blind! He's sitting on the side of the road, the, the, the deal is way over there. And Jesus puts a deal on He says, if you go wash in the pool of Siloam, you will be healed. How's he going to get there? He's blind. But you know what? He does. He gets there, and he washes his eyes, just like this guy said. He said, if you go wash in the pool of Siloam, you will be healed. He gets up and somehow walks over there. Maybe he had some help, I'm sure. Or, hey, man, you're figuring run off that cliff. I don't know. He washes, and he can see. Well, guess what? The religious people hear about this. And they call him in, and they start questioning him. They said, who did this? And he said, a fellow named Jesus. And they said, well, you know, they start, blah, blah, blah. Let's read. It's better whenever it's read. He said, uh, how were your eyes opened? He said, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they said. He goes, I don't know. I've only had eyes for like 30 seconds. Y'all had eyes your whole life. I didn't see where he went. I was blind at the time. Religious people ask silly questions, do they not? Anyway, so we're going to drop down and everything. Some of the Pharisees says this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath because he healed this guy on Sunday. 
Aren't they always concerned about the rules? Always pointing out broken rules. Always pointing out broken rules. And that's what they're doing. He said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes open. That fellow said, he's a prophet. And then they call in his parents. And they start questioning his parents. Is this really your son? They say, yeah, it's, it's really my boy. So they start questioning them. Well, they're trying to trap somebody here, and the parents know it. And so after about the second or third question, they go, he's of age, ask him. And his response is amazing. A second time, they summon the man who had been blind. Give glory. This is the religious people talking. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. One of the greatest statements ever in the Bible in John 9, 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know. Ready? One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Man, isn't that amazing? This guy was transformed, was he not? And get this, he is sitting here, and it goes on, and they said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he said, I've already told you all of that. This is the guy standing up to the most powerful people in Israel. He said, I've already told you, and you did not listen. What, do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Let me tell you what this guy is doing to them. He's going, exactly what he's doing to those religious people. How many times have we wanted to do that to some religious people? Go to my Facebook page, and you'll see me do it all the time. They don't like it very much either. They get the hornet's nest. They get their button and knots, what they do. This is what they do in verse 28. Then they hurled insults at him. Isn't that what happens? When you, when, you say, when you talk about the grace of God, religious people will always hurl insults at you. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, and, but not as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the guy's like, you know what? He is bowing up. I love this dude. I want to meet him in heaven. He said, now this is remarkable. <laughs> not, not only is he going like this to the religious people, now he's being sarcastic. He says, now this is remarkable. <laughs> you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man. And guess what happens next? You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And you know what he did? <laughs> See ya. And then he goes out and Jesus meets him. Jesus meets him. And it goes on, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. Why? Because he can see now. You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. See, let me tell you a little bit about God's grace. What did that guy do to deserve to be healed? Did he ask to be healed? Not in this instance. Jesus was walking by, saw a need, and fulfilled it. For the glory of God. See, that might have been a play on words. Some people are blind. They cannot see grace. They just can't. Why? Because Jesus says it right here. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see become blind. Religion blinds us. And even the hard, hardest, most vile of sinners can be transformed and come to know God. Maybe that's you. See, I want each and every one of you to be transformed. 
into something that you never thought that you would be capable of doing. As a matter of fact, let me go one step further and let me say this. You can't become who you want to be on your own. No more than that blind man could make himself see. You need Jesus Christ and the grace that is offered from him is the only way for you to be fulfilled. You know that those times whenever you're like struggling and you just can't see the end in sight. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And you just think, how am I going to do this? See, Jesus can come in and he can transform you. You can sit there and go, oh yeah, the preacher's saying now this, man. I'm telling you, I'm offering you everything. Not that it comes from me, it comes from the grace of God. I said that I wanted Save the Cowboy. And not just Save the Cowboy, I want this for everybody. I want Save the Cowboy to be a different kind of church. You know what will make us a different kind of church? Is when we know that God's abundance wants to be poured out on us whenever we have nothing left. And how will we be a different kind of church? What would it be like if every person sitting here and hearing my voice were to be transformed just like that blind man? It would be amazing. Hi, this is Lovey Weatherby. I call myself the worst preacher's wife ever, but Kevin calls me his better half. Confused yet? Well, you shouldn't be. All you need to do is go to savethecowboy.com and you can find links to our live church broadcast each Sunday morning. Or you can go back and listen to this service or any others that you missed. Did you know my man is the author of four books? You can find them all, as well as sermons on CD, by clicking on the store link at savethecowboy.com. On behalf of Kevin and Save the Cowboy, thanks for listening. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.